Tackling the legal issues that matter to you in the Okanagan. This is Law Talk with the lawyers of FH&P Lawyers, LLP. All right, welcome to our podcast and uh, thank you to our listeners for sending your questions to uh, podcast at fhplawyers.com. And in fact, uh, Tanvir, today uh, our, with our show, we're going to try and answer some of those questions. Yeah, so all of our show actually today is just going to be our listener questions. I love the feedback that we're getting. So this is great. And if anybody has specific things that they want us to talk about, or if you have questions, send them in. So the first one that we got is, can't I just incorporate myself? So yes, long story short, you can incorporate yourself using um, BCEID accounts. The system is made to be user-friendly and incorporation is not something that only lawyers can do for you. But where we see a lot of issues is that people prematurely incorporate themselves without having all the discussions that we ask them to have. So for example, have you discussed with an accountant what type of share structure you require? Um, And while some companies are going to be more simple and it is possible for you to do this at home on your on your own computer depending on the type and the complexity of your company the business the future use of the company what goals you have as shareholders there could be a much more complicated share structure that you need and that actually does require some proper drafting so along with this we need appropriate articles um, we need to make sure that we have special rights and restrictions drafted appropriately and to be completely honest, that's sometimes very difficult for people who don't have experience with companies. So I guess the question was, can I just incorporate myself? But I yes. wonder if the question <laughs> should have been, should I incorporate myself? No. And, uh, <laughs> uh, because, um, you know, one of the things that we joke about sometimes mm-hmm. is uh, that uh, you have to see a lawyer at some time in your business career. And uh, sometimes it's a lot cheaper to see a lawyer in the beginning yeah. uh, than it is at the end. You know, what do you get when you come to us when we incorporate? Well, you know, we're going to go through the same process, that same online process, and we're going to reserve your name, and we're going to incorporate. And that costs now, I think it's about $380 with a name reservation. Mm-hmm. But what we're going to do is we're also, when you incorporate with us, uh, we're not just going to adopt the standard articles. We're going to talk to you and find out what your business needs are. And we're probably going to be creating some extra classes of shares. We'll call it authorized capital. We're going to, uh, we're going to, to create different classes of shares depending on what, uh, what your business is going to do. And uh, we're also going to do the post-incorporation. And the post-incorporation involves actually issuing the mm-hmm. shares. Because, yes, you can go online and you can in- incorporate yourself. But you don't get uh, the, the shares issued and you don't have all of the record keeping stuff that you're supposed to have in yeah. the Business Corporations Act, like a Central Securities Registry or yeah. the New Transparency Registry. Yeah. So I think people forget that, yes, incorporation is one thing. You can do that at home. But after that's done, you need to keep maintaining that the records book. Um, and you need to keep up with your annual maintenance. So each year and the things that like the annual reports you have to file, you have to ensure that you're doing the AGMs, how we talked about in our last podcast. So those things sort of tend to slide when people are taking care of this stuff at home. And like we always remind people, I don't know if reminding is the right word, but we show people that once you come after the fact, it's a lengthy process. It's going to be a bit of a more expensive process because when it comes to us fixing your book, it's a lot more work for us because we're backtracking sometimes for corporate 
corporations that have been in effect for 10 years and they haven't been maintained well or well, at all. <laughs> and if you're, you've got a successful business, a successful company, hey, you're going to see us eventually. Yeah. And some of the reasons that you're going to see us is if you uh, decide to sell some of your shares or, or your business or you need to want to issue more shares if you're doing some equity uh, financing, you know, or, or a shareholder dies or, you know, you get to the point where there's you're doing some uh, generational planning and you're doing an estate freeze. Uh, even if you go and get some borrowing and uh, the uh, bank uh, often wants to see uh, parts of your book that wouldn't be created uh, without perhaps uh, our help, uh, including the Central Securities Registry, more and more that the Transparency Registry. Yeah. And with the Transparency Registry also, you're um, obligated under the Act to keep that register done and updated. So you're obligated to do that. It's not something that you should be doing. That's that's right. Yeah. It's, it's the law now, isn't yeah. it? So uh, <laughs> it's got to be available there for the directors or for the... Uh, the law enforcement or, or certain other government agencies. So, you know, for the price that uh, you'll be charged uh, for us to incorporate your business, you know, I think it's uh, it's something that uh, you should really look at uh, because, as Tanvir had mentioned uh, in, in the intro, for us to go back and try and create all that kind of stuff is, is really difficult. Oftentimes, too, if those authorized uh, share structures aren't in place, then the, um, some of the tax planning things uh, might, might be difficult as well. Okay, so I see the next uh, question we've got here is, uh, uh, can I or should I buy land using my company uh, instead of, of purchasing land myself? I get this question a lot. I don't know if you get this question often, but um, it's a super tax-driven question for us um, when we respond to that. It's for this and for those clients, we can't stress enough the importance of tax advice. Um, and it's sort of one of those it depends answers. What type of land is it? What type of company are you buying the land with? Um, what's the future goal for that property that you're looking to purchase? For example, I have a client that's doing a winery purchase right now. Um, and one accountant said it makes more sense for you to purchase the land personally, um, purchase assets of this winery through your, your brand new company. Um, and another accountant may say no, to purchase everything through the company makes more sense. So it really depends on those questions. What is the goal? For some people down the road, selling the property by offering a share deal or share purchase might be more um, lucrative or might be a better sort of situation for some and maybe not for others. Um, some accountants will tell you it makes more sense to purchase it personally and others will say to you, oh, well now you've lost sort of some of those exemptions that you could have claimed. It honestly just depends. It's one of those questions where we need to sit down, think about what the property is, talk to you about what your purpose and your goals are and sort of what the bigger picture looks like. Um, so it just depends. <laughs> Can't stress enough about uh, getting tax advice and we're certainly going to need to bring in an accountant in one of our future shows. But you know, from my perspective, and I don't know about you, but I like working with the corporate structure. I think it's a lot easier yeah. if you've got, a, say, a, a number of investors buying a holding property or you know, some such, you're bringing in different people. Boy, it sure is easier to document through a corporation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a lot easier to sell interest 
trusts or shares in a corporation than it is to try to deal with a, uh, a partnership. So I, I think there's great reasons other than tax, but yeah. of course we have to, we always have to remember <laughs> the uh, the tax man is cometh. So uh, so certainly that we'd, we'd want to include a, a, an accountant, but also just the ease and the familiarity of a corporation. I mean, this is the structure that's been used for hundreds of years. And, yeah, uh, but I know people are going to have, but what if questions. So um, we would love to get into this one more specifically with the person that left us that question. So we will reach out to you. Okay, so the next question that we're going to deal with today is um, somebody who says, I got an email from my R&R, so Registered and Records Office, uh, regarding the Landowner Transparency Registry. Do I need to do anything? What is this? Okay, mm -hmm. so I assume that you've got uh, a letter from the, the lawyer's office that maintains your books, and you're calling that the Registered and Records Office, and that is a great and timely question uh, because there's some urgency here. You've only got till November 30, 2021 to submit the required uh, transparency uh, report. Uh, this is something new that, uh, that our, our government's brought in. It's a completely different registry than the transparency registry regarding yeah. the ownership of corporations. And uh, just to make it really fun, it's done by a different branch of government with completely different uh, requirements. Yeah, so this is a common question right now, like you just said, Clay. It's the Land Owner Transparency Act is pretty new in Canada, and it what it is is a registry of information about individuals who are deemed to have an indirect interest in land through either a corporation, a trust, or even a partnership, for example. So the act uses the term interest in land, and this refers to fee simple interest. So if you have a life estate in land, if you have a right to occupy land under a lease, for example, that's a term of more than 10 years, and I know some of my farming clients have that. So when you submit an application for a client purchasing land, we submit a transparency declaration for certain reporting bodies, quote unquote, um, which are things like private companies. We also have to submit a transparency report, which lists the interest holders within that reporting body. So this all came into effect 2020. Um, but the reason that you're probably getting letters from your R&R now is because um, if you're a reporting body that has that interest in land, then you have until like Clay said, November 30th, uh, 2021 this year to submit that required transparency report. You know, I don't know about you, but I think this is an example of uh, government inefficiency. Like, why the heck can't there use common terms between the transparency registry for corporations and and landowners? Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. Different terminology, different thresholds unbelievable but hey this is the, i guess the world we live in yeah. is, uh, <laughs> so uh, keep this in mind this can be actually quite an onerous uh, thing depending on on who owns it and yeah different, sometimes there's different corporations owning different corporations and family trusts but uh, in any event yeah. uh, it's the tracing that makes it difficult so obviously if you're getting that letter from your um, r and r for the person who left us that question if if you have a more complicated sort of structure for whatever reporting body you have 
um, just get in touch with your R&R or us and we will help walk you through how that report is done. The point being at the end of the day, uh, regardless of whether you're getting notices, whether you even have a legal firm as your R&R, you've got to November 30, 2021 to do your report and uh, hey, we'd be pleased to help you with it. Yeah. So going forward, if you're purchasing a new property, it's done for you through the legal office or the notary that's going to be handling that for you. Um, but take a step back to think back um, from your purchases from years and years before or even last year, the years before. What do you own? And are you a reporting body that has an interest in land? Don't ignore those letters. Okay. So the next question that we got is, what are the articles of incorporation? If I have articles, do I need a shareholder agreement? Okay, so I'm going to assume that this person listened to our last podcast, which is great. Um, So ideally, the first thing you do once you have a name for your company is that you establish articles or we would help you establish those. But if you're one of those people who wants to incorporate at home, you need those articles. So it's easy to think about them as the rules for your company, um, the shareholders, the directors and the officers. The articles are part of the company's formal records. And it's one of those many documents that you have to maintain. And they will set out each restriction on your business. So it'll set out the powers for the company, uh, what powers are that the company can exercise for each class of shares or a series, if that's applicable to you. Um, The articles will set out the special rights or restrictions that are attached to that share for that class. Articles will also discuss meetings. How are they called? What is a proxy? What proceedings take place at the meeting? What uh, voting rights do you have? And they'll talk about electing and removing directors, discuss dividends and financial statements. So that's what the articles do. So if you were to incorporate yourself, uh, then you would, by default, um, adopt a standard set of articles that's already been written and it's there and it works and it gets you going, but it doesn't include any of that analysis about what your business is that we talked about and it doesn't set up those different uh, classes of shares and the different rights and restrictions. And why is that important? Well, a real life example might be uh, that if you've got more than one shareholder, you would want sometimes for the shareholders own different classes of shares, which would allow something we call dividend sprinkling, which is allowing the directors to direct dividends out in different amounts to different classes of shares. So it just provides you that flexibility. Hey, you might not need it, but it's something that uh, Mm -hmm. that we can certainly help you with. Well, Well, you might not need customized articles. You will always need articles, but maybe not the customized ones that suit specific things that we will draft for you because you can use the standard ones. So that's that's articles. A shareholders agreement, on the other hand, is it the agreement between shareholders of the company. So the main objective of even entering into a shareholders agreement is that you want to govern how shareholders investments are going to work. You're going to want to lay down uh, clear guidelines on management of day-to-day affairs of the company. So the shareholders agreement will contain provisions, for example, talking about shareholders rights and obligations, the management of the affairs of the company, for example, appointing or nominating directors. How is that done and who gets to say shareholders agreements will cover all aspects relating to shares including how to issue further shares how to sell or transfer shares Um, it may put in restrictions on the sale or transfer of shares and they'll cover things like protecting minority shareholders of the company and we developed on that quite a bit in our last podcast Um, think about shareholders agreements as 
being helpful for shareholders themselves and how to set out their rights and their obligations and articles are mandatory when we draft a shareholders agreement we're drafting that to ensure that it doesn't conflict in any way with the articles and we're making sure that through the shareholders agreement we're setting out how the company is managed I think that the question is, look, if I've got these articles which tells me how to run the, the company is going to be run, yeah. do I need a shareholders agreement? And I guess a couple of things I would say about that is, uh, well, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> but, it depends. Uh, but you can put a lot of this stuff into articles, uh, but I don't know about you, but I'd rather put it into a shareholders agreement because an yeah. articles is a publicly searchable document and a shareholders agreement is a private contract between the shareholders. Yeah. So, and things change so you can change a shareholders agreement based on new shareholders that are entering or based on a shareholder getting into his fourth marriage and you now you don't know how you want a divorce to impact your shareholders so those things change and that document can be updated and amended as you want changing articles i, I just is have a to interrupt you because just because it's your fourth marriage <laughs> doesn't mean that this one isn't true love no this, this one's gonna work but we do have a family law department at FHMP as well. So. <laughs> In case it doesn't work. That's right. But the changing articles is can be done, but this is a different process altogether. So think of articles as mandatory. Shareholders are just what we recommend, um, obviously, depending on your company, but most often recommended. So I think uh, our next question is, uh, should I ask to be incorporated federally or provincially? And Tanvir, do you want to just finish that by saying <sighs> oh it depends? Oh my God, it depends. <laughs> this is an <laughs> it depends because we would love to get in touch with you again to discuss this business that you're thinking of federally incorporating to ask obviously more questions. But what is the business? Where are you operating? What are you doing through this business? Some people want to know the benefit of federally incorporating. You'd get protection of your name on a wider scale. So when, when we're incorporating your company, you have that name. We do that name reservation for you in BC. So if you have a federal incorporation going, same thing. We get a name and we do a search of that name. And once approved, you have that protection on a wider scale um, versus just in BC. With a federal incorporation, you have the ability to conduct your business in other provinces. Um, while we do still need to follow province-specific rules, so for example, um, we would extra-provincially register you in provinces where you are carrying on a business where required. So the process is a little more expensive federally, that's for sure. Um, and there's definitely more paperwork involved than um, just a BC incorporation. But yeah, it just depends on the specific business and it could be the right choice, but it just depends again on what your business is well that's that's the theme of our show today <laughs> it depends. Eh? so it depends i guess we should be a little careful about saying that it provides name protection yeah uh, i guess maybe name recognition uh, because there is a trademark that uh, well yeah there's there's trademark but when you get the name approved for that federal you are protected federally but yeah trademark is different well, trademark, I, I think, is the ultimate in, in name protection yeah. for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. it's uh, I don't know about your practice, but I don't actually get a lot of requests for federal companies. Um, for the yeah. most part, uh, what what 
what I do in my practice is dealing with British Columbia companies. And that doesn't mean you can't do business in Alberta. Yeah. Um, you may have to register in Alberta, but yeah. that's not a big deal and, and not expensive. Yeah. So I don't see as many federal either. I recently had a company that we were in between, do we do federal, do we do BC? Um, and we went with doing a BC incorporation and we decided that we would just extra provincially register in the four or five different provinces that we'd be carrying on business. And we looked into a trademark. That's the way that we got our name and logo and sort of branding protection. But um, we decided that going federally wasn't really offering us too much more than what we needed that we could have just done a BC incorporation. So... You know, it'd be interesting to know if uh, accounting fees are higher for federal um, as well. Which, yeah, uh, I did actually talk to the accountant on this specific file, and they yeah. had just said, "Well, we don't first, we don't do it as often," which is, I feel like, common. But they did say it um, it would be paper heavy for them, but not interestingly enough for this specific business, it wasn't a higher tax impact for this, but it was more paper heavy for sure. So higher professional fees. Yeah. So more complicated, which is a code <laughs> word from professionals for more expensive. So. <laughs> So for our next show, we're going to try and uh, change the format up a little bit and we'll invite a guest. It'll be a, a, another a person that supports businesses and um, stay tuned. Um, so we'll try a little something a little different next yeah. time. And if anybody has questions, as always, email us at podcast at fhplawyers.com. And if there is specific individuals that you want us to bring on that relate to business, let us know and we can try to have them on our podcast. Clay, we can't end our podcast without our slogan. FHMP Lawyers, rooted in community, ready to help. For more information on legal issues in the Okanagan, contact FHMP Lawyers at 250-762-4222.